Welcome to episode 212 of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South in Texas Pete. On today's episode, we preview and predict week 12 games and talk with Billy Lucci of Tex Ags about the Jimbo Fisher firing and what's next for Texas A&M. You can find the show on our website, SaturdayDownSouth.com and Apple and Spotify. Don't forget to join us for the live recording of the show every Sunday at 8 Eastern time on the Saturday Down South YouTube page. Lastly, go share the pod with your friends. And now, here's the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Saturday Football Uncensored brought to you by Saturday Down South in Texas Pete. I'm your host, Tyler, and this is my co-host, Chris. How we doing, Chris? Tyler, if you want to buy stock in something, you better buy stock in Clemson, brother. That's all I'm going to say. And if you didn't sell, you better hold. Do you think that he understands the stock market? Like, I know I don't, but do you think that Dabo in any way understands the stock market? Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't think he even knew that what he was saying when he was speaking. No. I put put 78% of my net worth into a Joel Olstein prayer chain, and it has paid back dividends. We we put in roughly, I believe we started with $2.3 million, and we've gotten back probably $38,000. But what we've also received from the Lord has been truly incredible. Does this look stupid with the gloves, with the hand gloves? I don't know why you have your thumbs in there. Because it's like they're just supposed to be there, I think. But I also feel like I need to be like – when I was a young boy. You look like a mime. That would be the worst mime. Just like, I wouldn't be good at it for one. And then like, when like people would just be walking by, I'm like, it's a fucking wall. It's a glass wall, guys. Does nobody get me? Does nobody get me? Or just be like, the mime would just be me screaming without yeah. words coming out. Oh, yeah. God, that mime is really mad at his dad. This is me watching an Alabama game. We might have, you know what? We might have to do for next week is put on like a live show. <laughs> Welcome into week. Are we in week 12? We're in week yeah. 12. Welcome into week 12. It's cupcake week. So we've decided just to do some visual arts for you guys. We have a, we have a, a end of summer camp um, talent show that we're going to do. And I will start. I'm going to juggle some apples and then I'm going to do a mime show. That part of the podcast is going to be tough for the podcast listeners, but fantastic for the YouTube watchers. Yeah, for sure. Which, which have been like up a whole bunch. Yeah. You see me in the chat last night in your uh, live reaction. Of Man, I felt so CFP. bad for Connor. I felt so bad. There were people in there saying some horrible stuff to Connor. I just, he did such a good job. Yeah, like, he, he's good. I, you guys no. make a good duo. Yeah. But, you know, I'm happy now. That's good. Uh, where do you want to start here before we get into the games and talk to our guest, Billy Lucci, today of Tex Ags? So, I, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on, I feel like, right? Um, oh boy. Okay. The first thing we need to do is talk about our new sponsor. Ooh. Yeah. So, um, and this is totally not scripted. And let me just go ahead and start right here. Uh, how about our new sponsor, ESPN Bet? The app. Have you seen this? I have, yes. Pretty crazy stuff because the Titan of Sports Broadcasting, they've stepped into the sportsbook arena. 
Um, and you can get an inside scoop of what this app's got cooking. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Um, I've also been getting really into cooking. I just want to throw that out there. Um, your IG. The soup I made the other day, I really, the best part of the soup was that I said soup doggy dog and somebody else said soup, there it is. But the soup itself, it didn't hold very well the next day. But anyway, back to ESPN. Speaking of soup, what a super app you've got. What a super app we've got with ESPN Bet app. This is actually really, really cool. ESPN has launched a new betting app that debuted yesterday. You're getting this podcast either Wednesday night, the 15th, or um, on Thursday morning, the 16th, whatever you have it. But this, they debuted the launch of the ESPN Bet app on Tuesday, the 14th. It is pretty awesome. Um, now, we all go to ESPN for so many different things, uh, and they've been, like I said, like a worldwide leader in sports for a long time, especially in sports media and broadcasting, but now they have entered and thrown their hat into the ring of the sports betting world. If you go to the app and use the promo code SOUTH, that is SOUTH, S-O-U-T-H, all capital letters, you sign up, you get an extra $50. You can bet anything and get $250 in bonus bets when you use the promo code SOUTH, like I just told you. Then you need to manually enter the code at sign up and claim the great offer. It's really, really great. Um, and here's here's the part that actually is really, really cool, too, in addition to the, the extra $50 you get signing up using our, our promo code. But this has changed now with Sportsbooks, and ESPN's at the forefront of it because they are the latest app to launch. Um, you can make your bets, right? You can bet the line. You can bet the over-under. You can bet the money line. Whatever you want to do. They have all that. You just hit, you push in your wager, hit place bet, and it's already there done for you. But what's really cool about it is you can go to my bets. You can share your bets on social media. So, you know, sometimes people like press me about like, oh, you had this. Like, let me see the bet slip. It's right there in the app. You can share with the bet slip with you or with your friends, whoever in the group chat, wherever you want to do social media, all up to you. And there's also even more. They have the Parlay Plus feature, which is a mix and match of bets within the same game. Prop builders, all sorts of stuff like that. The Parlay Plus feature. And the cherry on top, they have a boost button where ESPN bets sprinkles in a little extra magic on certain bets for even bigger payouts. Um, really cool stuff. So make sure you go check that out. Like I said, ESPN bet the app. Use the promo code SOUTH for a extra $50, and we'll see you there. Sounds like we need to be, <clears throat> when we're researching our games, using the ESPN bet uh, lines. Sure. <laughs> well, we discuss that now in the moment. <laughs> um. What else is going on? Obviously, the CFP rankings came out last night. A little yeah. bit of a shakeup. I don't <laughs> think there was any huge surprise that Georgia jumped to one after drubbing Ole Miss. Yeah. Um, I think there's some debate being had between whether Washington should be ahead of Florida State at the moment. Um, but other than that, any other surprises? No, not really. Louisville at 10 is interesting. The only take I have on that is the fact that I don't think it matters because I don't think Louisville's getting in if they beat Florida State in the ACC championship. And I don't think that, that like, 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 like Florida State, if they win, they're in, in my opinion. Because yeah. there's just, there's, there's two teams directly in front of them that are going to have to play each other. One of those teams is going to be left out because the Big Ten is not doing what they're going to do next year, which is like dissolving the, the divisions where, you know, like you might get a chance to rematch. We're not going to get that this year. And I'm glad we don't because I, I'd like the last thing I want to see is like those two teams play back to back weeks. I just think that the the rematch thing is like, and I really enjoyed it in 2011, but I don't know if it's exactly fair because the use the, the team that plays the second time usually wins. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, there was a there was a stat that I saw that I think that 
um, that I, what do you call it, that I saw the other day where they were talking about the power five opponents with winning records for each team. And um, Georgia's, Georgia's opponents records has gone way up. Like I think it's like 52 and 48, which is like third or fourth out of the, out of the contenders. Um, but in terms of power five opponents that people have played with a winning record, only two teams stand at the top. And that's Bama and Florida state with five apiece, which I thought was really, really impressive. Um, Oregon, Georgia, both sitting there at two. No, sorry. Oregon and Michigan both have two. Why are you making this face? What's wrong with your face? I don't know. Is that just it's your normal. face now? It's just my face. You look like a Russian mobster. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Okay. That's but anyway, that, that was my biggest takeaway. I think the roadblock is gonna end up using up. We might have a shake up this weekend in the Pac 12, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're gonna pick that game, but that's that's gonna be a really good game. And Washington's not even favored. Oh, it's already it's already gone all the way down up for one in Oregon State. Yeah. Phrase that sentence poorly. Okay. That sounds yeah, good. I know what you're trying to say though. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah, and I think that I think that you know, though here's one thing that I will say. Okay, I'll give you two thumbs up with my little thumbsies. Thumbs um, up. I said last week that if Bama and and Texas both finish the season at twelve and one, it would be fair for Texas to get in over Bama because they played already, and the the results have to matter. I am already walking that back a little bit okay yeah well te- to be fair texas has not looked great no. uh the last few weeks even with when you back we're in a very tight one with tcu almost blew yeah. the game well it's all gonna play out it should be fine yeah. um but i think i think one thing too that we're we we have seen is now in this week the cutoff of what teams are what teams are still able to get in there's a finite line at this point, and it's at eight. Nobody behind eight is going to get in from this point moving forward. Um, so that's all. That's fair. Um, you see the stuff with Washington State and Oregon State? I'm so confused, but I'm so horny to talk about it. So as most of you know, uh, these are the last two teams standing in the Pac-12 after a majority of the conference rest of the 10 teams have joined other conferences or at least verbally agree, agreed to it. Um, so Washington state and Oregon state basically decided to team up and take this to court. And they won a preliminary trial here to give them control of the entire conferences, governance and assets. So basically all of the money that the PAC 12 has now and is due for this year, including not only the football season, but the NCAA tournament, uh, television contracts, the Rose Bowl, all that stuff now belongs is in the power of these two schools. <laughs> what just a fucking double birds f you to the rest of the conference? I love it. I love it. So we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens. Essentially, now there's going to be an appeal because the rest of the ten teams will have forgone. I think it was like thirty-five to forty million dollars per school for this year. They just won't receive now. Right. Um, but it'll go to them, right? It'll go to it'll go to Washington State and Oregon State, and a lot of people think that they'll use that money to go ahead and try to basically make a new Pac-12 because yeah. the NCAA has a two-year grace period where if you don't have eight teams in a conference for two straight years, that third year you have to disband. So, 
the thought is they're going to use all this money to go attract, you know, members of the Mountain West, potentially the Sun Belt were two oh. um, leagues that were have been approached to um, to kind of recreate the Pac-12, or they could use that money to, you know, stuff in their pockets and then go join new conferences. Um, so either way, for right now, they're coming out huge winners from this financially, at least. So don't Isn't don't feel crazy? bad for it's like, it's like, it's like Jimbo Fisher getting paid seventy mil seventy million to walk away. It's like don't feel bad for him. No, it's nice to see somebody related to Oregon State just have a massive, massive benefit during a breakup, and I'm really happy for them. That yeah. I really am. It, this cracks me up. This whole thing cracks me up because this this is like it, I it really did piss me off. I know I joke around about the Oregon State thing a lot, but it really did piss me off that they got left out in the cold on this because it's like. Again, they went to an Elite Eight three years ago. They are constantly in the hunt for a national championship and, and getting to Omaha in college baseball, which I understand that's not as much of a moneymaker. But the college basketball thing, like, I mean, it wasn't like Obama's brother-in-law, like their head coach. like Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, and that has nothing to do with, with like, the, the financial part of it. But, like, that's still – I mean, game day is going to be there this weekend. Corvallis, as much as I shit on Oregon State – it really is cool to see this this story in like the final year where it's like they play a really good brand of football, man. They play a really good brand of football. And the fact that people just left them out like they were just like nothing just kind of blew my mind because, you know, I, I just think there's a lot to be said for what that school is capable of being from a value standpoint. And, and I'm happy for both of them. Um I also my favorite comment out of all this was Stuart Mandel. I think is the one that like broke it or something like that for the Athletic, and some like arrogant asshole fan was like, "Whoa, well, have fun in court trying to settle this because they're about to get taken directly to, uh, or they're going to put this directly in front of a judge." And somebody, and Stuart Mandel was like, "Yeah, that's that's exactly what this was. This was this was a court ruling." So. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, quick factoid, the judge overseeing the case, a 1973 Washington State graduate. Love it. Love it. I mean, it's fucked that they're doing this to like these just these two teams. And then I also it also makes me feel stupid because it's like like Stanford and Cal are going to the ACC, right? Yeah. And SMU. SMU. Yeah. SMU is actually a pretty decent school to have, but Stanford and Cal. I mean, okay. And you get the Dallas market, which is cool. But like Stanford and Cal. I, I just wish that Stanford and Cal would have stayed and they could have figured something out. And, and I honestly, if we're being if we're being totally honest, and it wasn't such a fucking like money grab, which is what this whole thing has become. If you're Stanford and Cal, you think you're gonna walk in and, and start competing with the ACC? No, but you have these two teams that are like teams that you at least compete with on a on a consistent level. Like maybe and, for and a nerd bowl. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Um, well then also here's the other part of too is interesting is that the college football playoff came out the other day and said they are they are leaning towards a five plus seven model. Okay. Which as you know what that means. Yeah. Oh I know. What is it? Why'd you say it like that? I don't know. Because I don't know I don't know what it means. It means that they're gonna take you get automatic bids from the five power five conferences. Yeah. I thought that was gonna be the case anyways, no? But what makes no sense to me is if they're going to put that into place as early as next year, we're talking about the Pac-12 that's about to, to be completely dissolved. It's going to have two teams. 
Dude, that battle next year between Oregon State and Washington State is for all the marbles. Just nine straight weekends of it. We have a season-long, like a 1920s World Series. Like, it's a best of nine. And yep. I tell you what, I, tell, I they're up three, they're, they're up 4-1 in the series right now. Oregon State said they're going to rest the starters for the month of November, but they're going to see them in the Pac-12 championship. And five and four, Oregon State goes into the college football playoff. As the <laughs> With a fucking team. bye. <laughs> All right. Um, what else we got? It seems like they got a lot to figure out uh, over the next, like, nine months. Yeah, yeah. Why are we throwing my face like this again? I don't. I thought it was funny. Did you not like it? It seems like you're insinuating things that I wouldn't agree with about myself. No, I was saying that like the egg. No, you're 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 reading too much into stuff again. Um, oh. So before we get Billy in here, and I didn't make a graphic for it, um, I got into it today on radio with Peter Burns, which is kind of surprising. Did you really? Was- yeah, it was kind of weird because I love Peter Burns, but he was like, "Like you guys actually got into it, or was it?" He, it was very clear that he did not like my take on something. Okay, and well, tell me what happened. I so he they were asking about the Zach Arnett firing, and I got really fired up about it because Zach Arnett was put in a really shitty situation. Okay, um, and I it I, I hate to see it. Like I like. I don't I don't think that I am a huge proponent of settling for for being a mediocre program. And I know that sometimes I do say that some people need to accept where they are in their status as a program. Yeah. But like it pissed me off to look at this and think like who the fuck does Mississippi State think they are? You fired a coach in year 1? Like during one of the most difficult uphill battles that we've seen from any, any coach that has to face anything in the country this year, you fired him year one. I just, I, I thought it was maybe, maybe Zach Arnett is not frustrated about it. Maybe it's like something that he's like, Hey, I don't think I'm ready for this. Maybe that's what it was. But from the outside looking in my perception of it was like, they fired a guy who had already been with the program for a while as the DC who you you had heard talks before last year that th- this guy is going to be a head coach at some point. He's been such an underrated defensive coordinator. He's going to be a head coach at some point and probably a pretty good one. And, and look look at the numbers he's put up, blah, blah, blah. And then he just gets fired in year one. Like, I just my, – my main thing is, like, who, who are you bringing into Starkville, Mississippi? Lance Leopold is not leaving Lawrence, Kansas to go to, to Mississippi State. Mississippi State fans don't want to hear this. Kansas is, has a higher trajectory than Mississippi State. And in my opinion, if, if we're being a thousand percent honest, this is a bottom five power five program, in my opinion. This is this is down there with Vanderbilt. It is down there with, I wouldn't even say Rutgers. Rutgers is spending over $1.1 million in recruiting. Like I I I don't understand where they expect to be. And it blows my fucking mind that they just threw this guy out kind of under the bus and then like like who do you think is going to come come into like into this situation and his was that would actually be okay who says no who says no now his, his, his response pp's response was he was like this is a team and a program that was 
you know, they were they were ranked number one in the college football playoff not that long ago. And I was like, if that's the expectation level for a for for Mississippi State fans right now, you're out of your fucking mind. Like you're out of your fucking mind. If you think that like the the What's actual the bar at like fifth in the West. Yeah. I mean, you're bringing in Texas and Oklahoma next year and dissolving the the uh, divisions. Why don't we set the bar at top twelve? Yeah, he he actually said he said, "Do you don't think that with the with the playoff expanding to twelve teams, a, a nine and three Mississippi State or a ten and two Mississippi State could get in?" And I about came to the phone, like not like that. Whoa, not like the Soldier Boy song. Like I just. That sounded so much worse than I intended. Mm. Anyway, that's all. That's all. Go. Yeah, I just uh, Mississippi State. I mean, I don't know. The only thing I could think of too is like maybe you know after obviously what happened with Leach, they had to make a quick decision. They wanted to keep some uh, continuity there, and they just told him like, "Look, if we're going to give you the opportunity to earn a contract next year, and." It's not going well, so they they just try to get ahead of it, you know, ahead of the uh, the market. Not that they'd be – I don't think anyone's jumping at the opportunity to be at Mississippi yeah. State, but I don't know. You know, who knows? I, did, did he have a long-term contract, or did he – like, I don't know that part of it. I just I thought the whole thing was so weird because even PB was saying, like, like, I think the Mississippi State fans should have the expectation, which I, I still say it's crazy. I, I still say it's yeah, crazy. I agree, because, I agree with you on that. If you never sniffed a 14 playoff, and I don't care if they were ranked number one, they were ranked number one for like a week and a half. They didn't make a New Year's Six bowl game. I, that I was just, like the peak of their existence. Right. And and that's okay. that's the other part. It's like these they're the nine win seasons have been blips on on this like like a century-long resume of like nothing i just i don't know man i i maybe i'm being too hard mississippi state i just thought it was this a lot of this has to do with the fact that like i i'm offended for zach arnett but maybe zach arnett was also like i don't know i i don't think i'm ready um and and you know and then you also make the case that like i know that our buddy brooks austin said this the other day and i've i've been saying this for years and you know maybe people just don't like when I say things as much because it resonated a lot more with, with other people when he said it, but like not everybody wants to be a fucking head coach. Like maybe Glenn Schumann doesn't want to be a head coach. Maybe Will Muschamp doesn't want to be a fucking head coach again. You know, like maybe Zach Arnett's going to go out to fucking California and be the DC for, for Lincoln Riley. Nice. That'd be a good hire. Yeah. So, well, should we get into the games or is Billy coming on here? Billy's coming on here in a minute. We can start talking about the A&M stuff. Um, before he does, um, latest on this, like I haven't seen the odds released. I don't think, um, for next head coach. Yeah. No, I haven't seen it. I did see this somewhere. Um, I haven't seen it either. Um, I, I found them. I personally think I'll give my opinion and then we'll hear what, the real truth probably is from Billy. Um, I don't think they need to be going and trying to grab like a a Dan Lanning or something like that. Um, yeah. You're spending $70 million for a guy to go away. You're going to go have to pay another huge buyout if you're, you're going for, you know, 
a landing, you know, top right. of the list type guy. And then let's be honest, like, yes, landing has ha- had success in the Pac-12 so far, um, but you don't know what he's going to be like. That's a lot of money to invest in somebody who has who's 38 years old and has been a head coach for a year. Yeah. Um, I think they should. I think Elko is the perfect hire for them. Personally. Yeah. I, Lance Leopold, I think, is a good hire. Yeah, I think Lance Leopold mm-hmm. would be a good hire too because he, he would at least, at the very minimum, bring stability. And I think for recruiting has changed, you know, obviously with the NIL, like AM with their deep pockets, they're going to be able to recruit no matter if you have a really strong head recruiter or not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because now it's just like bags of cash are pretty much fair fair game these days. Right. So. Oh, I see. What <laughs> no, it does not. Look oh, at that. Oh, you didn't. Okay. Can we <laughs> add him in here? Let's do it. Wait, hold on. We do it this way. How do I do this? Hello, sir. Is. Are you driving? Yeah, I'm gonna pull over. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, we can yeah. definitely hear you. But don't drive while you do this. We're we're <laughs> I'm we're already in so much trouble with the law. Yeah, I don't want to get y'all in trouble. Give me about sixty seconds. I gotta make this U-turn. Hey, just hope you're not hope you're not gone there's in sixty no seconds. Am I right, Billy? Oh, Jesus! There's no trap. Gone in sixty seconds, like the Nick Cage move. Is that him? I didn't know you were on a first name basis. But I call him Nicholas, but we're more formal like that. So uh, I, I call him, I call him Nick ever since ever since. Uh, Nom. Uh, Air. What's the movie called with the plane? Con Air. Con Air. I need to put my seatbelt on too. <laughs> this is bad. Give me like on air. Yep, yep. How do I live? <laughs> is that the one? That's the one. That's the one. Uh, oh, let's let's talk about this while you're parking. I'm gonna pull over right here. Let's talk about this while you're parking. Here's I'm, some plot. I'm gonna, pull over, I'm gonna pull over by a bunch of cows. Okay. Are you in All Auburn? Right. Am I what? Are you in Auburn? <laughs> no, but I'm going to pull over right here by my house by a bunch of cattle just for some good background. I might even get out and be, like, surrounded by them just because it's you. Thanks, man. That means a lot. Right. I appreciate you taking this seriously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, hold on real quick. Here's something that's always bothered me about Con Air, okay? He, okay. he gets out of jail. He rides two planes. Well, kind of. He gets on this plane to go meet his daughter. The whole premise is, is like he gets to meet his daughter for the first time. Can't wait. She's my angel. Blah, 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 blah. Then yeah. he meets her, gives her that raggedy-ass bunny. And, and first off, he could have just wandered into the gift shop at the Hard Rock. There's one right in the front of the fucking hotel. He didn't well, get it. He hey, here. People have seen Connor. And then it was, like, it was on like every day for a month this summer on TNT. But like yeah. then Cyrus the virus gets away. Hey, buddy. Why don't you go let the fucking cops deal with that and let them go find him instead of you riding a fire a fire truck and stabbing him in the leg trying to say that just I just it always bothered me it always bothered me I don't think he's a good that is true that is true but I just wonder how good that movie would have been if he would have just gone bought her like some kind of fancy present and just walked off and and that was that came back on her 18th birthday when she was going to the WNBA he's the protagonist. Yeah, that's fair. All right, I'm I'm pulling over. I don't see any of the cows. It's pretty disappointing, but I'm gonna pull over 
Okay, you've been maybe doing that for like three minutes now, so you might want to do that soon. Maybe they'll come to me and they hear me talking. All right, boom, we're in park. All right, crystal clear uh, video too. <laughs> is my hat? How crooked is my? Hat? You're oh. you're glitching like every. It's this is perfect. This is this is exactly. What I'm, I'm glitching. Doing. Yeah, it's like it's like you're doing the robot, and I know you're not that good of a dancer because I've seen you dance. <laughs> you wait till you see me try to do this slide with the Nias that I did today. Did, no, did that, you do that? That little where there. The slide out thing. Yeah. Whatever. Well, at least it we is, got it the audio. Like Hang on, now I'm. Tell me if it stops glitching. I decided to actually drive to where maybe it won't glitch. Is it not, is it glitching now or better? Yeah, we're just gonna start the interview, and you and we'll just pretend <laughs> okay. like you're you're here. I'll put your face up over this. Um, okay. All right, we're joined by Billy Lucci, re return like a return guest for for this yep. year. Had a blast with this dude at Media Days in Nashville. Become a good buddy. Um, one of my favorite things that's happened to me in this job is this man sends me a text two minutes before Feinbaum. The other day he goes, turn on Feinbaum, hit record. And I was like, let's fucking go. And then I was very let down because he was trying to sneak in some Creed lyrics, and which is going to be our thing now. Um, and he wasn't able to do so. But it was it's mainly because Feinbaum fucked up the question. Uh, all that being said, I was trying to hit him with, I was going to start with, hello, my friend, we meet again. And he didn't, he he came out of the gates because obviously there was some serious stuff to talk about. Yeah. So Paul made his tone. It wasn't a, you know, he didn't start out with some, you know, anything jovial. And he just, you know, that was that. And it was a question right off the rip. Like, hey, why did Jimbo get fired? What let, and then. Hello, my friend. You know, like, <laughs> so I let you, like in my head, I was like, "Damn it, I'm, I've let Marler down." <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Um, I mean, well, so listen, you've been on for like, you've been trying to park for like five minutes, and and that, I just also realized there has been some serious stuff that's happened. So let's talk about it a little bit. Now, you are one apparently really good at keeping secrets because this this all was kind of reported like that Thursday, and then we all find out Sunday morning. Um, so the level of shock really wasn't there, but just, you don't have to get too into it behind the scenes, but like it kind of fill in our listeners, ultimately what the decision was that it was like enough is enough. We got to move on. Yeah, I think, so it was a, it was a bad timing thing. First of all, for Jimbo, I think, you know, yeah. number one, it was, I parked. Okay. Y'all won't get, yeah, and you're, you're actually, your video is good now. Okay, good, good. It was so. That old Miss loss was a killer. And I kept saying before that game, man, I just have a feeling you better win this game. I said that on radio. I said it throughout the week because that Tennessee game really kind of felt like it started to turn a tide. And I knew there was a previously scheduled, like way back, Regents meeting that following Thursday. And there was such a massive difference, it felt like, that if they went to Ole Miss and won, they snapped that road losing streak. They beat Lane Kiffin. They they snapped the streak against the Mississippi schools. And they were very likely to be five and two in the SEC with a backup quarterback. We're not talking about any of this today if that happens. Yeah. But they lose. And I knew that Regents meeting was coming up the following Thursday. And you could definitely feel it coming. And I got wind a couple days before. I believe it was Monday night. I was down in Houston and I was like, wow, this might actually happen 
But I didn't think it would happen until after the season. Like, maybe they'd meet and agree, like, kind of be signed off, like, hey, you guys are free to pursue a change. And then maybe this, you know, the final decision uh, comes later at the end of the year. But it didn't, you know, like, it, they met. I found out Thursday it's going to happen Thursday night. And, and I forget what day it was, if it was Friday or Saturday, when I realized, oh, they're actually going to do it following the game and I didn't know if it was at night or Sunday morning and just kept kind of following it from there until you know until it actually uh happened and I kind of put it out Sunday morning because I felt from enough sources that things were about to get out and I'd been sitting on it for God knows how long and I, yeah. that was my, that was I, that was my story uh yeah I didn't want it to be anyone else's and I felt like with the way I cover the team you know it was best to come from me than just some national outlet or, yeah. you know, wherever. So that was that, that was the Sunday morning. And I think Jimbo probably realized maybe not that he was getting fired, but you know, he got after the game got told, Hey, we need to meet tomorrow morning. Um, maybe he didn't believe it, but surely yeah. he had to have known that, that that wasn't a normal thing to do in season. Fair. Sure. Um, I, I saw an interview with uh, AD Ross Bjork, and he had mentioned some things that they're looking for in the next candidate. And it, it just kind of resonated. I'm a Florida State guy, and you know, when Jimbo left Florida State, obviously there was a lot of fractured relationships between the booster, yeah. the administration, all of that. Um, and Ross Bjork was listing things like we we want someone who's going to bring a positive energy, someone who's organized. Was that kind of a was there a frayed relationship there with Jimbo as well with the administration, and and was it kind of a negative atmosphere around the program? between that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think the negative atmosphere around the program had more to do with this. You know, it, it just wears on you multiple years of, of losing and not being able to figure it out. Unfortunately, I've seen a lot of that here. I've been through, man, like five coaches since I've been doing this. So it, that, that part I think is fairly normal as the, you know, as you continue to bang your head against that wall and not win, and I don't think Jimbo changed enough stuff about what they were doing ultimately to really reverse that course. And I don't yeah. mean, look, he tried to go hire a coordinator. I, look, realistically, guys, next weekend in Baton Rouge and in that bowl game, we're going to find out if and how much Jimbo was holding Petrino back. And, yeah. and you know, I've, I've kind of been on the fence on that, and I've heard two different – versions of it but i think the proof will be in the pudding especially since lsu you know the way they're not playing defense right now so we'll see um in a couple weeks but i think the you know yeah i don't think ross bjork's words were uh coincidental at all i think he was definitely pointing out some things he wanted with the new coach that he didn't believe he saw with with uh with jimbo there's no question i mean and, and look if you're trying to handicap the hire Humans are humans. You know, it is, we, I don't care if you're an AD, a head coach, a, you know, a, a rodeo clown, it doesn't matter. You know, human nature is human nature. And I think when you're looking at these potential candidates and you hear names like, you know, if Lane Kiffin or, or Dion or these coaches that are kind of the show in and of themselves, I, I would bet any amount of money you wanted to wager that that's not who Ross Bjork and, and Texas yeah. A&M are going to go higher because they, they, you know, Jimbo was the show. And when they hired him, 
you know this as a Florida State guy. Part of the reason they got him is the show is yours. This mm-hmm. is all about you. You're going to get everything you want that you didn't get at FSU. We will never say no. And and it, it created, you know, that's that's all well and good if you win quickly and keep winning. If you don't do it, uh, that becomes, I think, a, a, a tough deal to kind of continue that when you have one side pushing and pushing and another side trying to say, man, we're spending an awful lot and we're not winning. It, it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that was the thing that surprised me. I, when I heard you say it on final, it was the first time I had heard anybody say it and 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 didn't even realize it. Like, I mean, was it nine straight road losses? Nine straight road losses, uh, five in a row to the Mississippi schools. That's wild. Oh, and three against Lane. Uh, and that and and they were ten at that time, they were ten and eleven. Yeah. Since the start of last season. And unranked for like 15 of the 17, the last last 17 rankings that have come out, they were unranked in 15 of them, um, which I thought was kind of surprising too. I mean, like, you know, I think what you said has, was probably what a lot of people needed to hear because the way that contract was set up, it was so outrageous the way it was like, I mean, I, I did the math on it. And my math is almost never correct, but I had to be close where it's like, they're going to walk away. He's going to walk away with like $125.5 million from A&M. So just because they've done it once does not mean they're going to do that again. It probably learned the lesson, like you, you said, and you got to temper the expectations. I'm going to give you a scale, and you don't have to tell me who you think they're going to go after necessarily, because I'm sure that you have, like, you know, there's probably some reasons you can't do that. But I'm going to give you a scale out of 1 to 69. You tell me how likely – these these names are to do be I, Am I allowed to laugh there? Yeah, a thousand percent. <laughs> How likely what? How likely this this person is to be the next head coach at okay. a one okay. to sixty nine? I'm going to give you several names. So just rapid fire. Yep. Mike Norvell. Zero. Yes, it's one to sixty nine. I can't. I don't know how else <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, one. One. Lane Kiffin. Two. Okay. Wow. Lance Leipold. 40. Mm. Okay. I, I, th- I think Leipold will be a legitimate. Like, if you're saying they end up landing on like five guys, I, I, I would, I think Leipold would be like one of the five. And Lance is like such a good little finger gun name for like the 12th man. You know what I mean? Like the, 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 the yell crew. Lance feels like it should be on a pair of what do you call it? Overall, I think Jim. I think Jimbo is perfect. That. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's also very fair. I forgot to put on my overalls for this too. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, not done. Uh, Kalen DeBoer. Thirty. I think he'll be a prime time, prime time candidate too. Uh, much harder, you know, to attain. You know, yeah. I think he's about to get really paid at Washington. He'd be a a pretty costly hire, but I will say if I think if AM shoots for the moon again, like in terms of just getting a, a yeah. very high profile, very highly paid coach, he would be my my guy I would circle. Okay, Pepper's pissed. I don't think she like that answer. Pepper stop. Um and, great. Tyler, take oh. it over. Take it over. I gotta mute myself. Oh. All right. Uh I would say my my choice for the job if I had to choose uh, is would be Mike Elko. Um, and obviously he's going to be a popular name, but what about, what about his name? 
I'd put him right up there in that conversation with Leipold where I think those would be like, again, if you, if you said, if they release the top five, I think those would be two of the top five. I think uh, Jeff trailer will get a real look at UTSA. And then, you know, I think a couple other, I think you'll see more of like, for lack of a better word, like the bigger names, the bit, you know, the, the, the guys that, and, you know, any fan base or people around the country would go, oh, you know, and maybe DeBoer would be one of those. But I think you'll see a couple of those. I think you'll see those those three guys. And I have heard there's some interesting NFL interest as well. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to get Aggies worked up because I don't think that interest is coming from Detroit, Michigan uh, and, and Dan Campbell, who is obviously would be the, the dream hire, I think, for most people in maroon and white. This is a dumb question, but why is that name floated around so much? Does he have, does he have A&M ties? Should I have already known that? Yeah, he's my damn roommate for three years. He's He went and played at A&M and won the uh, Aggie Hart Award. He was part of their Big 12 championship game along with Dante Hall, Shane Leckler, some guys like that. Um, Glad I asked yeah, that. Yeah. Dan's an Aggie. <laughs> Dan's like an Aggie legend. And a, and a Dallas – he was a real popular uh, – Dallas Cowboy as well. He'd he'd be a great fit in in every capacity. I think he'll be a head coach at AM one day. I don't think the timing is right. Yeah. Right now. Um, he might be the next guy. Well, that's a simple Google that I could have just <laughs> thrown out there. That was I, the I don't think Lucci's roommate comes up in there. By the way, Dan would be pissed at us for liking Creed like we do. For what reason? For he what would reason? Think it's just too soft. It's like Metallica, you know. But then again, I'd point out to him, he's like I vividly remember him thinking Danzig was cool, and like, what's the band that cumbersome like Seven Mary Three? Seven Mary Three sucked. Yeah, yeah, they had. I one song. played Atlanta's Big Day Out like eight years in a row, and they only had one song. <laughs> all those, listen, yeah. all of those bands were just announcing vowels differently. That's all. That's all it was that's for true. like eight, eight to twelve years. Um, and I'm still doing it. Yeah, <laughs> you are too, <laughs> Tyler. Tyler started the. Uh, he started like the the broadcast, like like fifteen minutes before we start recording. And I didn't realize he was in here, so I just was like blaring Creed by myself, and and he and I'm like rocking out to it. He goes, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "Can you not hear it?" And he's like, "No." So I'm just miming Creed, and I have my little thumb things on. This is this is not been my best episode. I'll say. Cute little thumbsies you got there today, Chris. <laughs> oh man. Um. All right, man. Well, we my I the dogs are losing their minds. Let me ask you one final question before we get out of here, and and I I just. Tell me how crazy I am on that. And we appreciate you joining us, man. I know it's been a, a crazy, hectic week. You've done a great job with all the stuff going on over there in, in College Station. But, like, if if you're A&M, is, like, is there any remote possibility? Because if I'm A&M and I know that we have some some money and we can shoot for the stars, like, like you know, possibly. Because if you had enough to get rid of, like, I think you could talk. They have you, the money. If they want it, they have it. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm just stuttering through it. But if you talk to the boosters, you're like, listen, what if we just call Kirby and say, name your price, 20 million, 25 million? Because I think there's people who think that that's insane to me, but like, uh, maybe you do too. But I, I just think <laughs> that, like, the best coach in football, 
What's to stop them from being like, this whole thing is about to take off in the next couple of years. You're going to be making even more money. And you saw firsthand when Johnny Manziel was there, they brought in $740 million in, in one year from all the hype that came around with that. You don't yeah. think that $20 million would be a worthwhile investment or, or 25 if they had to, to just throw it out there to the best coach in college football? I mean, maybe it's 16, you know, like, I don't think you'd have to go 25, maybe it's 17 million. I, I mean, I like where your head's at. I would love to see that bomb dropped on college football. Just to, <laughs> oh my God. Just to watch the world burn. I, yeah. I know and some Twitter. of these Aggies, you know, there's, I, I bet we could find seven of them that would each volunteer to pay one year of that. <laughs> They, they just did it for the facilities. They might go, I'll do a year. I'll do a year. I'll do a year. Okay. I'll pay half. You know, you might find that each donor to say, I'll do one half of one year. And you can find seven of them or 10 of them to do one half of one year of his $20 million contract. So now you're only paying Kirby 10 in theory, but Kirby's making 20. Wow. And you're right. There you go. I, I will, I will. I will run that up the flagpole, but I, <laughs> I get, I get what you're saying though. Yeah. And, and if it's not Kirby, somebody that you go, you know, and I don't know who it is, but who's, who is like Jimbo where everybody's going to go and m can't hire him or, th or this school can't hire this guy. Like Texas tried to hire Saban a few years ago, Yeah, whatever, but there's gotta be somebody that is just a little unhappy where they're at. That's a big name, kind of like well, LSU hiring Dabo. Brian Kelly. AM hiring you mentioned, yeah, like Dabo. Ryan Day. How does Riley feel at, at USC right now? Doesn't seem like he likes it that much. Ryan Day, like I have no idea how he feels at all. So yeah. Who knows? Like, is there somebody out there that no one thought Brian Kelly was getting hired by LSU? So yes, AM is capable of doing that. And for right. the right guy, they would do that. So that's the wild card in this whole thing. That's and that's that's really what like I think it like you said they would set the, the world on fire, watch the world burn, whatever you want to say. I just I you know I I don't think it's that far fetched in this age of football when it's like we know who we know who is the clear cut best coach and program in the country, and if you know you get a return on that investment, I just don't I just don't think it's crazy. And all the Georgia fans that we have in our comments, like when I brought it up on Sunday. And on Twitter that were like, he wouldn't leave for 50. You're out of your fucking minds. You're out of your yeah. fuck. Do you have any idea how much $50 million is? <laughs> like, yeah. get the fuck. You could buy so much cattle in Texas and whatever. And, people, and people with money, you know, and, and just up and down the board. They go, well, there's, I mean, how much do you really need? No one thinks that way. Right. More money is more money. And, and, and look, like, I'd be happy if you offered me $2 million a year. But. There are some people, you know, and then, and then if you offered me seven to go somewhere else, I would go. I mean, we all would. We <laughs> yeah. all, you, know, so. you don't go. I've got enough money now. I don't have to work. My kids don't have to work. I'm done. Right. No, you know, and especially in that profession, nobody thinks that way. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we appreciate it. Go finish your drive. Um, right. We'll get at you soon. And we'll, we'll uh, we're, I mean, next year. We're gonna see if we, we're gonna see if we can get Tyler out to Dallas for media days because we are gonna be seeing yeah. some street whether anybody likes it or not. Yeah, the shit's gonna hit the it. fan at that deal, no yeah. question. All right, brother, drive safe. We'll talk to you soon. I might see y'all in Atlanta. I'm considering. Wait for what? The SEC championship game. Just so you can see what it's like for once. 
I've never been I, in more ways than one. I've, um, I've never been, and I've never been just as a interested bystander or an interested attendee. I'll let you go after this, and and I mean, because Tyler still lives there, but um, I'm coming over there for a week and a half, and I'm not going to the game, but I will be in Atlanta, so I'll hit you up. Maybe, maybe I'll just do that. Sounds good. All right. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. That was good. Um, and he, you know, he didn't seem to think that your idea was that crazy. This is what I'm saying about like, like, I understand that Georgia fans don't want to hear it, and I don't think that Kirby would leave by by any stretch, and I don't think it's gonna happen. But if you don't think that in this age of football, every single thing is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, the TV contracts, the the, the conferences themselves, like all those things are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And what's the other thing that's scary is that like the instability in college football is so difficult to rein in. And, and this is something I was texting you about the other day. It's like, where, like, if, if, like, there used to be a comfortable cycle of where we could see with everything of like, okay, the season is from late August to late December. Then there's signing day. And it's the first week of February. And then there's spring ball. And then there's like a break. And now the way everything is set up, it's like, you're constantly trying to get out ahead of everyone else. That's why he was fired. That's why the the coach at, at uh, Mississippi State was fired. Because now it's like you don't have just recruiting. You got the portal opening up in two weeks, and you want to see how many kids you can keep on that roster, right? From like all the talent you brought in, all the recruits that you're trying to bring in, make sure they still sign before December. There's just so much that goes into it. I just don't think that like. You know, like, I mean, they just paid three and a half times the buyout of any other program ever has. I don't, and you're seeing all these, these different contracts that are like guaranteed, like fucking Mel Tucker and all that kind of shit. Like Mel Tucker got a guaranteed contract. Like, you know, I, I just, I don't think it's that far fetched, but that's my spiel. All right. Well, we're 50 minutes into the pod now, Good. so let's get into the games. Uh, not a, obviously a huge slate since it's the week before rivalry week, but there are some really good games. Yeah. Um, let's start it. here. I think this is going to be a, an awesome game. Mm-hmm. Um, 7 p.m. on FS1, number 21, Kansas State, 7-3 and three at number 25, Kansas, who's also 7-3. Kansas, an eight-point underdog at home, total 56-and-a-half. Um yeah, Kansas State actually has a decent chance to still make the Big 12 championship. Kansas, very slim chance, but they also still mathematically aren't eliminated from going to the Big 12 championship. I think this is a matchup of two of the most underrated coaches in the country. Um, yeah. So I think this would be a really good game. Um, I love the over in this game. Um, Kansas' defense is not great. They're 87th in yards per play. Um, and K-State's defense isn't great either. They're 40th. Kansas has a really good offense, obviously. Kansas State's won 14 straight in this rivalry. What? 14 straight. Um, my bet, if I were to bet the game, would be the over. Yeah, agreed. Um, Kansas State has covered the last four against Kansas. Um, they're seven, two, and one against the spread on the year. Kansas is just five and five and one against the spread. So I think I'm going to take Kansas State to cover the game as well. Um, 35-24. Okay, so I don't disagree with that. I think that. Um, Eight points to a road underdog, especially a team like Kansas, I think is too much. So I would take Kansas to cover. Um, I think that Kansas has been more impressive in year two, I think, with like the staying power they've had. Like they, there's, they've been in some games late. They've kept themselves in some games. I don't think they got blown out at Texas. That's not an easy place to go, especially if you are, um, what do you call it, if you are Kansas. I mean, they've been out 
with one of the best quarterbacks that we thought we were going to see in the entire country for most of the entire season, Jalen Daniels. Also, shout out to Jalen Daniels. The thing that pisses me off the most about him being injured. Do you know, you remember when he went to media days, Big 12 media days, and this man had an eye, uh, was it like an eye watch, Apple watch? Mm-hmm. No, I don't remember this. He had an Apple watch put into a pendant on his chain, mm-hmm. and it just showed highlights of him. On the so, Apple well, watch. He was, on the Apple. So he's just giving interviews and he's just got a highlight reels of his own shit playing on his fucking like that's, that's incredible. And we that. missed out on that this year. And especially in a year with such good quarterback play. I hate that he's been out. But the backup's been nice. He's done some things too. And like they they've they obviously beat Oklahoma. That's a game where they were a 14 and a half point underdog. Um, and they won that game outright. So give me Kansas to win. Uh I'm not sorry, to to cover the spread. I'll take Kansas State to win the game. I do love the over. I think that's that's a, a really good point. But I would take Kansas State much closer. I'll say 31 to 30. Okay. Um, let's do a couple SEC games here. Uh, 730 on ESPN. I don't know who Bama Florida. Five and five at number nine, Missouri. Eight and two. Missouri an 11 and a half point favorite. Total 59. Where are you going on this game? <sighs> to the other channel. Um, dogs are freaking out again. I so this is like I, I, I've Mizzou has played Florida really well, like throughout their time uh, in the even SMP. when they weren't great, right, right. And I think that this is this game's at home, right? It's in Como. Love that for Mizzou, right? Yeah, yeah I'm not crazy. Okay, um, I don't know what's going on out here with the dogs. Fun fact: I am I'm I'm house sitting for my parents for two weeks while they're in Greece. And these two fucking dogs are a nightmare every single day. Um, so she says hello. Anyway, I, I like Mizzou. I was worried about how they would real, be able to get back up with the mat against uh, Tennessee a week ago and, and go ahead and play Tennessee. They were awesome. 34 yeah. to 7, they, they whipped their ass. Let me ask you a side note or a side question real quick. What do you think about what's his name? Uh, Eli Drakewitz trolling Josh Heifel and saying, we stand on business. I, whether he's trolling or not, I just think it's hilarious that Eli Drinkwitz would say, we stand on business. My my favorite part was he said it. And I think he does have a little bit of, he, he's a good shit talker. I think he's got a little bit more swag than I give him credit for because of the come yeah. over and the, and the glasses. But what was funny was, I don't know if it's like a generational thing and, and not like a, 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 like a common expression anymore. But when he said it in the locker room and he's like, I stand on business and everybody joined in and he was like, and business is, and you could tell he thought everyone was going to join in. He was like, boom in and no one joined in. That was hilarious to me. And then he had to repeat himself. Anyway, um, I think business is going to be booming again this weekend. Florida just does nothing for me. I hate to say it. Uh, There might, the best point I've heard made about Florida, maybe all season, even against LSU, the numbers that you can talk about how good the offense was, they put up 35 points and 488 yards. That's like, those are average numbers for what everyone else did against that same defense. So even in that game, it still wasn't overly impressive. Yeah. I love the over in this game. Um, I also love Missouri in the game Florida three and seven against the spread this year, Missouri, the exact opposite seven and three. Yeah. Florida's one and three away from home straight up Missouri five and one at home. Biggest thing in this game Missouri first, they're first in the country in red zone scoring, tied with Oregon State. 100% of the time they've gone to the red zone, they've scored. That's not real. That's real. 
Florida, 129th in the country in yards per play on defense. The teams that are ahead of Southern Miss, UMass, New Mexico, and Nevada. Uh, I love the over in the game. I think Florida's offense is good enough to make the over yeah. happen, but I don't think it's good enough to make the cover happen. I'm going to take Missouri, 41, Florida, 27. Yeah, I like that, to be honest. Um, I think it might be one of those things that's closer for a while. Cody Trader, like, he's been awesome. Um, how does yeah. he look, like, like uh, for a third straight week? Because this is a defense that has been okay at times, right, I, I guess. Um, but they haven't been good against dynamic offenses, right, like Georgia, like LSU. And those are elite offenses, but I think Mizzou is also an elite offense. Here's the thing that's scary. We've seen them be really good the last couple weeks, and they haven't really even had a Luther burden that's been the Luther burden of the first 10 weeks of the season. So I think he gets back to returns to form a little bit. But Theo Weiss has been great. Um, they've just been they've been great. I, I I think that I'm I'm with you on this one. I think that this is a team that's on a mission this year to prove people wrong and, and really get some respect put on their name. So I think it's I'll, I'll say Mizzou 38, Florida 24. Okay. Uh, another SEC matchup here, 7:30 on ES or oh. SEC Network. This is just a battle of just. Ugh. Yeah. Uh Kentucky 6 and 4 at South Carolina 4 and 6. South Carolina currently a one and a half point underdog, total 54. I probably would never bet this game. Personally. No. No. But the way I see this playing out, it's a total spot game. Kentucky's already clinched a bowl. South Carolina has to win this and yeah. Clemson to make a bowl. Um Kentucky was winless in October. They've They've at least won one game here in November. Um, Carolina won this game last year at Kroger Field, twenty-four to fourteen. This look at this this list of wins for these two teams. It's awful. Do it. Carolina four wins. Furman, Mississippi State by seven at home. Jacksonville State by ten at home, and Vandy at home. Those are the wins. Yeah. Kentucky. Uh, we listed those last week, but it's like Ball State, yeah. Eastern Kentucky. Florida is like their Mississippi big state. Player. Mississippi State. Yeah. Um, maybe Zach Garnett should have been. <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> now that we say. Maybe I just don't uh, like Mississippi State. I don't know. I think Carolina, night game at home. You know, that place will be up, even though they've yeah. had a bad season. I'll take South Carolina to win outright, 28-27. Damn. Uh, but not cover the spread. Why do you do this? No, Why no, no, do you no, 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 no. They're one and a half point underdogs. Okay. I was going to fucking lose my mind with you. You did it. There was one week that you, every team we that like you picked, like I want to say we had nine games and four it was of them, like, like right on the hook. Threats. Yeah. And you were like, oh, so I do think that they win. I I don't think they cover the spread. LSU 30 to 28. I'm like, why? And you did it for like four fucking teams. Um, <laughs> that's like, you went, like point favorite, Half point favorite. I'm like, honestly, I know there's not ties in the game, but I think that somehow this game ends up tied. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so here's what I'll say. I I am going to go against my better judgment here. I think Kentucky's a better team. I think earlier I said yesterday on Chris Gordy's show that I had I had Kentucky. Um, they're a better team. I think they're a better coach. I like Devin Leary. I think he's playing better than people are giving him credit for. Um, and, and the receivers are doing better. I think, I think that the team as a whole is coming into, uh, themselves a little bit more. Here's what I'll also say. Williams Bryce at night, Darude is playing. Like he's actually coming to do Sandstorm live. Yeah. Hold on. 
Let me make sure this is right. Maybe make sure it wasn't last week. What does Darude look like? I, I don't know, but it's... Is it a group? Is it one man? Yeah, is it's, it a it's, woman? I, I should... Maybe I should fucking go. Just to find out yourself? I mean, this... They're, it, yeah, he's he's performing this at, at Gamecock Village before the game. I Like the one song over and over again? Yeah, there's... What if he pulls like a Dave Matthews? He's like, all right, we're going to play some new stuff. Like, fuck that, Darude. Play <laughs> the hit. <laughs> play the hit <laughs> yeah just the one um i like south carolina to win this game oh let me rephrase that i don't like it at all i think that they'll win because they're at home um and and here's the one thing I, I keep going back to with this game they really destroyed vanderbilt last week and a lot right. of teams have beaten vanderbilt right and that Ooh. shitty defense will give up seven points it's still vanderbilt but it's an improvement I didn't think that was going to happen. And and they pulled away late in that game. I think it was like 20 to 7 or 26, something like that, maybe at one point late in the or halfway through the third. I do think Carolina will win. And, and here's the thing that I will say about Shane Beamer is I don't think he's good enough to beat Georgia. I don't think he's good enough to consistently compete against higher tier SEC or national teams. But what I do think he's good enough at doing is rallying the troops, giving them something to believe in, and saying, like, hey, let's go win a fucking ball game against a team that you are capable of beating. And they are capable of beating the this this team. And now it sets the stage for the following week when they can get bowl eligibility with a home game against Clemson coming off last year's win. I will take Carolina to win outright. I will hate myself for it. But I, I'll take Carolina, and I'm going to go a little bit bigger than you, um, 33 to 24. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, speaking of games I won't be betting on, and speaking of the Clemson game, Oh God. 3.30 on ESPN, number 20, North Carolina, 8-2 and two at Clemson, 6-4. and four. Clemson, a six-and-a-half point favorite in this game. Uh, total 58-and-a-half. Uh, yeah, I have no idea what is going to happen in this game, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be so many things. About it. <laughs> it could be so... UNC could blow Clemson out of the water. Clemson could win, you know, basically lead all game because their defense yeah. leads the way. I have no idea. I know they can't score in the red zone. I know that. Um, I just lean to Clemson. I, I, I think they're going to win the game. 65 yeah. and three straight up over the last 10 years at home. Did you know, though, Chris, as a home favorite over that same time frame, they're only 33, 30 and two against the spread. I did not know that. Also, how many of those losses came in November? I know Pitt did. So they lost. I went. So they lost um, to South Carolina last year. That was the first one in a while. I maybe it was Pitt. Pitt beat him in 2016. And then it had to have been, yeah, like back in like 2013 or something yeah. like that. Oh, yeah, because Florida State beat him in 2013. At home. Okay, there you go. So there it is. And then they lost this year to Florida State at home. So that'll be um those 65 and three numbers don't include this year. Yeah. Um so I, look, Clemson's defense is still really good. They're they're sixth in the country in yards per play. They're only giving up four point four yards per play. They're 83rd in yards per play on offense, though, which is not great. On the other, yeah. like, this is just a matchup of just not good because UNC's defense is not good either. I think it's um, a good game, to be honest. I think it will be, too. Um, Clemson's fourth in the country in yards per attempt through the air on defense, so yeah. that's good to have that big of a strength against Drake Bay. Uh, they played in the ACC championship game last year. UNC was a 7.5-point dog, and they lost by 29. Um. But in 2019, in the ACC championship game, they were a 27 and a half point dog, and they lost by one. So this 
you never know what's going to yeah. happen in this game. But the last time UNC beat Clemson was 2010. I don't trust anything about Clemson's offense. I don't trust anything about Clemson, uh, UNC's defense. I'll lean on Clemson's home record and take them outright, but sneak by. Clemson 28-27. I think that was the same score I just gave for the other game. Yeah. And uh, UNC covers. Okay, so I don't disagree with that um, at all. And you are close to the total as well. So I could kind of see that. I think that Kate Club, what's something that's interesting is that, like, I, I saw a stat the other day. They, they just don't throw the football downfield. They, they just yeah. refuse to do it. It's they so still don't weird. have the receivers. It's just, I mean, yeah. their best receivers have traditionally been slot guys recently. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, that's all I'll say. You, think, you were thinking for a, a joke, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can say it. Um, but I think that I think that being at home will probably help. Here's the thing. Last week, early on against Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech was leading that game. I had I think I it was one of my picks of the week was Georgia Tech to score first, and Georgia Tech scored first. And it was like plus one fifty. Um, I, I I think Clemson's defense is good. I think I love the numbers you brought up about them being at home. UNC has been very frustrating to watch a lot of times because uh, UNC really struggled to put up a lot of points consistently in that game last week against against Duke until they had to go to overtime. Like there was like I feel like you know a third of the points scored in that game were scored in the last five minutes plus overtime yeah and duke had a third string quarterback so i mean they were giving up like i thought duke was gonna win that game at one point right um i do kind of like the over here because i think that unc will be creative enough to get get their offense going and i think that that defense they have it started out really good this year but it just has really fallen off the map um and you or clemson has gotten rolling a little bit but here's the thing too i don't think that they're good enough to pull away like this there's there's not a Clemson statement game on the horizon at all this year for, for Dabo and this team. Dabo last week against Georgia Tech, on fourth and nine from his own 20, ran a fake punt. And didn't get it, right? No. He gained yeah. like a yard. It was the weirdest <laughs> fucking shit ever. You can do that against Georgia Tech, and they forced Georgia Tech into four turnovers, four interceptions, which was unlike Haynes King has been for most of the season. I don't think that Drake May is going to do that. I think you might get him into a couple turnovers, but if you – if you get yourself into – like if Drake May is on and the offense is on, like we've seen them do at times, Clemson's going to be in trouble. Yeah. I don't think that happens. I think right. that I think it's an ugly win where we're going to be – this is this is the typical Clemson win for us now, man. It's we're going to be watching the game. We're both going to be pulling against Clemson because we're tired of Dabo's shit, mm-hmm. and it's going to be super close for about, I don't know, 48 to 50 minutes, and then UNC will do some stupid shit and Clemson will win. I got Clemson winning 34 um, to, I'll say, 30. There ain't one thing in my life that I've ever failed at, Tyler. Never. He's so fucking obnoxious. Never. Ever. Uh, 7.30 on ABC, number five, Washington, 10-0. At number 11, Oregon State, 8-2. Oregon State currently a two-point favorite. Total 63.5. Oregon State coming off a drubbing of Stanford. They're a rested ball club. Washington was in a dogfight last week against Utah. Uh, Washington has only covered uh, in four games, I believe, this year, three of them in September. Um, Boise, Michigan State, and Cal at the beginning of the year they covered, and then most recently USC. But they've been in some closer games than Vegas would have thought. Oregon State held Utah to seven points at home. Uh, Utah put up a pretty decent amount of points against Washington last week. It's a night game in Corvallis. This could be one game that will shake up the college football playoffs, and I think it happens. I'm going to go Oregon State in the upset win, 35-30. to 30. 
Damn it. Good timing. I had to pee. Um, well, shit. That's kind of what I was thinking too, man. Yeah. I, I here's here's my thinking on this. I love Oregon State as a team. I, I know we all know the jokes, okay? Yeah. But if we're talking about Oregon State as a team, I love Jonathan Smith as a coach. I love the way he's built this team. I always say this from the inside out. Like they are really good in the trenches. I don't think Washington is tough enough in the trenches to hang with them. We saw what it looked like last week when they played Utah, and that was a home game against Utah. And and it's you know that that's a game where like you have a third string pig farmer quarterback and they kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. Oregon State has one of the best best quarterbacks I think in the Pac-12 this year. DJU has been great. They have one of the best running backs in the country that nobody talks about, including me because I'm forgetting his name right now. Of David course, Martinez. Yes, and they have been a really really good team. Excuse me for spitting. A really really good team all year. They lost early on the road to a Washington State team that was really firing at all cylinders and kind of peaked too soon with a good quarterback, Cam Ward. Lost that game by three on the road, right? What's their other loss? I don't know. Off the top of my head. Me neither, because I'm an idiot. Uh, Arizona, and that's a game where they should have won that game. But Arizona, turns out, is pretty good. Yeah. The two-loss team that should be ranked in the top ten, I think that Oregon State is tougher than Washington. I think that Washington has been playing with fucking fire over the last several weeks. I think Oregon State, I think the right team is favored. I think Oregon State wins this game. It's a close game, but in the end, I think that all of the magic that Washington has had is going to run out at some point. And, and I tell you what. Because Corvallis doesn't allow magic from anyone but the Beavers. Okay. Yes. Is that, is that a thing? Uh, I mean, Corvallis at night. You, we know. We've talked about this. Like yeah. We're always going to take Oregon State in that scenario. Yes, very true. Very foggy and rainy, as always. Um, and just when you think you know anything about Oregon State, they always switch it up on you. You just you, yep. you never know. I do think that Oregon State wins this game. I think that they are. I, I just think that they're a better team the way they're built, especially for how this game's going to go. Give me a fucking like bloody, tough, like like very highly contested defensive matchup. We saw it. Like how many USC beat them fourteen to ten two years ago, and that's yeah. an offense that was one of the best in the country. I think that's what's going to happen when you walk into this fucking. This stadium, I, I think they're in for a very, very long day. And I think that Oregon State wins. I think it's a really good win. Go Beavs. And my preseason pick to win the Pac-12 is still in play because it was the Oregon State Beavers. And I think that I think they take a step closer to that. I got the Beavs. Benny the Beav, that bucktooth magical beaver. Uh, I will say they win 34 to 31. Awesome. All right, and the game of the week here, 3.30 on CBS. Number one, Georgia, 10-0. At number 18, Tennessee, 7-3. Tennessee, a 10-point underdog at home, total 59. What are you thinking here, or do you want me to go first? You start. You start. All right, Georgia has covered every game except for one since 2016 against Tennessee. Uh, the Georgia offense, 7.3 yards per play, fifth in the country. That offense is starting to hum. Uh their defense, not as good as it's been in the past, but still 14th in the country in yards per play allowed. Um, Tennessee is also top 25 in both on offense and defense, so they've been pretty good in their own right. But Georgia's offense, to me, uh, is definitely clicking right now. They're getting healthy at the right time. You got Brock Bowers back. You got Marius Mims back to bullshit the O-line. Uh, just this past week against Ole Miss, who has a decent defense. I, I don't say I don't want to say they're like really good, but they're a good defense. Uh, they put up a season-best 611 yards of offense. Very balanced attack, both on the ground and through the air. 
Georgia's first in the country and third down conversions on offense. That that offense is is going to be very legit the rest of the year. Um, the one weakness, the way that I paint this picture for Tennessee is obviously you have to have the ground game going, and they've had a really good run game. Um, but you're going to have to create turnovers and create short fields. Georgia does not allow people into the red zone very much. They're top 10 in that category. But when you get in the red zone against Georgia, they're 112th in the country in scoring percentage. Yeah. Um, they're giving up points 90% of the time. Last year, they were 60, 67%. So a lot worse in that category. So the recipe is you got to have success on the ground if you're Tennessee. Keep the Georgia offense off the field. The problem is, is when Tennessee's offense is really rolling, they go on tempo. So I don't know if that's really a recipe here for Tennessee. Nope. Got to create short fields, turnovers. I just don't see it happening. Um, Tennessee, 6-0 on the year when it runs for four yards or more per carry. 0-3 when it doesn't. Georgia has allowed four yards per carry or more in five games this year, all against teams that can run. That's the matchup to look at. But Tennessee, two and nine against the spread as a double digit dog since 2019, four and six ATS as a home dog. I'm taking the dogs, Georgia 40, Tennessee 23. Welcome in. I see you looking at your watch. It's the last no, game. Of the week. It was a text. It was a text. Yeah. Was a text. We're going we're gonna to get out of here in just a minute. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to do what we did last year. And that was upon request. People have asked me about that video so much. And Georgia fans who tend to, I think for the most part, as much as I give them shit, I think there's an overwhelming amount of Georgia fans that like me more than hate me. Um, and as you should, because I'm great. And that's, that's all I have to say about that. But this started last year where Georgia fans, I, I said it then and I'll say it again. There's not a game that I have watched as a Bama fan that meant more to me that I wanted to see someone win more and felt better after a win in like non non-national championships than outside of the 2021 SEC championship game that that meant more to me than last year's Georgia Tennessee game did because every single fucking thing that I told you was going to happen happened and I remember coming onto this show and somebody saying, I think it was Willie Gray, was like, hey, man, can we get one of those pump-up speeches you give for the Bama games for this Tennessee game? Because Tennessee's coming in with five wins against ranked opponents. Tennessee's coming in with a number one ranking in the college football playoff poll, which was deserved. They're coming in with the best offense in the fucking country. And even though Georgia is the defending national champions and they're undefeated, they're still somehow being a little bit slighted from the national, national media. Pat McAfee, who I love to death, people all over ESPN saying that Tennessee was going to win this game, comparing him to 2019 LSU. And I came on this show, and I told you exactly what was going to fucking happen. And Tennessee fans got so mad about me being right, they filled up my mentions, my comments, my, my DMs, my mother's comments with some of the most horrific shit that I've ever read on the internet, which is saying something. And I've, I've sat here and we're a year removed, and we all fucking know what Tennessee is. There are four corners to a coffin. There are four corners to a coffin. And that narrative about Tennessee coming in and being back and their elite, Florida put the first nail in. And there's still there's still a chance. There's still a chance for them to come out here and they're gonna they're gonna be able to still compete for the SEC, not just the SEC, the national championship, right? That's still all on the table. Then Bama put another fucking nail in the other corner. They still have a chance to win the SC East, though, right? Because Ole Miss can beat Georgia, and then we can we we're gonna obviously take care of Mizzou, like I even thought. Mizzou put another fucking nail in that coffin. There's one corner left, and this weekend in Nash or in Knoxville, Vandy I, coming up next week. <laughs> and then Vandy coming up next week. 
There's one corner left in this coffin, and I can't fucking wait to watch Kirby Smart and Carson Beck and Dejon Edwards and Brock Bowers especially put the final fucking nail in this facade of, of confidence in that coffin this weekend in Neyland Stadium. I don't know if there is a fan base that has been more deserved of unhappiness than Tennessee. And I'll just – listen, there's there's Tennessee fans that I like. There's not a bunch of them, but there's there's a handful of them that I like. Ash Williams, love you to death. There's your shout-out. There's a couple other ones, too, that, I, that I, I really do enjoy you guys, and I appreciate you guys listening to the show. I really do. But I sat there all offseason hearing all the shit talk. I had to listen to it all last year. Then you get beat by Bama, and you blame it on the refs after all the fucking fortune that you were given a year ago. Kirby Smart has lost four games on the road as the head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs. All four of those games were to SEC West opponents. He owns the SEC East. The only time that Tennessee has beaten Georgia in recent memory was on a fluke. Is when Josh Dobbs threw a Hail Mary in year one under Kirby. I hate to say this, but Butch Jones and Josh Dobbs ain't walking through that door. You're stuck with fucking Bobby Hill and Joe Milton. And I tell you what, Joe Milton, it might be really good for a quarter of football. He might be good for 30 minutes of football. But one thing Tennessee fans seem to always forget is that this game is played for 60 fucking minutes. And it's played rain or shine, sleet or snow. You got to go out there. And at 3.30 on Saturday, you have to line up and fucking play Kirby Smart in Georgia. And you know what's going to happen? It's exactly what I told you was going to happen last year. They're going to go out there and dominate you and humiliate you like they did a year ago. And this time they're going to do it in your own fucking stadium where they have 110,000 people. And they talk about, oh, my God, we're going to be in Neyland. And they haven't played in a real stadium all year. That stadium has been fucking emptied, emptied by Kirby Smart on more than one occasion, almost every time he fucking goes there. So have fun tailgating. Have fun doing the Vol Navy thing and sitting there on the water. Maybe you can get your fucking binoculars out. Or, or the little app and see where that, that goalpost is from the Bama game that you've still been holding on to a full 365 days later. Because that's about as happy as you're going to be this Saturday. Georgia by fucking 90. Jo- Dogs by fucking 90. I'll take, I'll take Georgia 52 to 21. Well done, sir. Eat a dick, Tennessee. That's the end of the show, everybody. Uh, as always, we really appreciate you listening to the show. It would really help us in the growth of the show if you would rate us five stars on Apple and Spotify. Leave a review. We'll leave the we'll read the best ones on air. And like and subscribe to our YouTube page. Don't forget this weekend to call the hotline, 770-674-8233. It's been a pleasure, Chris. Don't forget to check out the videos and clips from the show at Sat Down South on Twitter, at Saturday Down South on Instagram and TikTok, and Saturday Sat Down South on YouTube. For Chris, I'm Tyler. Good luck this weekend. We'll see you on Sunday night for the live show at 8 p.m. Eastern time.